Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The 11 to 1 show. Oh, the rumours are true. We are excited about this. Coldplay are coming to Ireland. All the details after Brian Adams. Brian Adams, run to you on LMFM's 11 to 1. Sinead Brazel here with you. I'm feeling very, very jittery this morning and excited. It could be about the fact that I put four sachets of sugar instead of two. In my coffee, I was like, oh, that's a bit sweet. <laughs> but it could also be that the rumours that we were talking about yesterday are true. Coldplay have announced highly anticipated Irish dates for 2024. Super, super exciting. And uh, this was all down to something that went viral on um, social media. So they were playing in Holland in Amsterdam and what flashed up on their screen was all the cities that they were visiting and Dublin flashed up even though they were you know saying that they weren't going to come here because of insurance blah de blah however they are definitely coming they are definitely coming so the new dates will kick off in Croke Park Dublin Thursday the 29th and Friday the 30th of August next year this is brilliant. Uh, so uh, this is the last time uh, that, that, or the last time they performed was 2017. Now I've already done it. I've registered, right? Coldplay.com now. Okay, is where you have to register. So you can get access to the pre-sale. So this, that begins next Tuesday. Okay, so you can get your pre-sale tickets. Now look at, you know, it doesn't actually guarantee a ticket when you get the little code, but look at every little bit helps is what I'm going to say. Uh, this is the... Um, First music of the Spheres World Tour date. Uh, so that was uh, really exciting news this morning to get that. Super exciting for Taylor Swift fans as well. The Swifties, today is the day and now is the time. I think at this stage she could have already sold out. I don't know. Uh, but the sale for Taylor Swift tickets goes now. Okay, so they say um, the tickets for the June 28th next year, that's at 11 and then at 1pm, it's for Saturday, the 29th of June. And then at 3, it's uh, Sunday, the 30th of June at Dublin's Avivia uh, Stadium going sale as well. So there's three nights up for grabs there for Taylor Swift fans. A little bit more complicated, I'm going to say, than getting the Coldplay tickets. But hopefully the Swifties are happy this morning. I'm happy. I'm delighted. I haven't seen Coldplay in so, so long. So definitely I'll be logged on. I'll be logged on next Tuesday in the hopes of nabbing a set of tickets. Please, God, it will happen. In the meantime, let's enjoy some Coldplay music, shall we? 
Oh, imagine the Craig going wild for that next August. Coldplay, sky full of stars on LMFM's 11 to 1. Absolutely brilliant. Really looking forward to that. Now, um, tomorrow night, if you fancy a night at the theatre, well then, the drama group in uh, Minolte, they are taking to the stage. It's uh, Moogle's Theatre Company. They are bringing, now this is an adult only, adult drama production, Entangled to the Hall in Minolte. Okay, so the door is open at 7.45pm and it starts at 8.30 and tickets are €10 cash at the door. You can find out more details, Minolte Community Council on Facebook and it's guaranteed to be a great night out so that's tomorrow night in the Minolte Hall there uh, starting at 8.30pm but doors opening at 7.45 now there's a disturbing TikTok challenge that is doing the rounds I don't know why you know people jump on these things and this one is even more disturbing than some of the recent ones it's a shoplifting challenge I'm going to be chatting about that plus we've got music from Dermot Kennedy on the way the 11 to 1 show. L-M-F-M. Kids are taking on a new TikTok challenge which involves shoplifting, which is extremely disturbing. Going to be chatting about that right after Dermot Kennedy. Dermot Kennedy, kiss me. As a parent, when I hear the words or see the words TikTok trend, I brace myself because more often than not, it's going to be something that's going to cause concern. And this one definitely has. It's the shoplifting challenge that has emerged on TikTok. And this seems to have been behind several robberies in shops in Galway in the last couple of weeks. And if it's a trend that's on TikTok, you can guarantee it's not just happening in Galway. So this challenge essentially um, requires kids aged, it seems to be primarily between the ages of 13 to 16 year olds, going into a, a shop, filming themselves in the shop and uploading the footage of them shoplifting in that shop. And I don't know, you know, like when we see things like this, you know, with with our kids, you're just kind of going the mind boggles with this stuff because so I just think, are they just completely oblivious to consequences and the serious implications of what trends like this are doing? You know, when it comes to this evidence kind of being there online as well. And sometimes when you talk to kids as well of a certain age, and I notice this even with my, my own kids as well, they're not immune to this, let me tell you. They sort of have a blank expression when it comes to, you know, you trying to, to, to inform them about the seriousness of actions that they're doing. And that's the bit that sort of concerns me. There's a little bit of this sort of obliviousness. I'm going to say a little bit of maybe unfeeling or uncaring about the seriousness of this. It's like they're immune to the the implications of this. And, you know, we all were, you know, I suppose, familiar with peer pressure as kids, particularly as teenagers, you know, we knew we weren't supposed to do certain things, but we did them because you wanted to feel part of the collective or whatever it was. But it's more serious now when it's challenges like this that are being loaded up online. Now, you know, I don't want to kind of go straight to parents because I do think a level of responsibility has to be on TikTok with regards to this. Like, are they not seeing this challenge and kind of going oh here, like we need to be putting a stop to this trend or prohibiting this content from being uploaded or something. But how often do you actually check up on your kids and what they're doing online? Like, And 
How would you feel if you came across their account and saw something like this uploaded to TikTok just because they wanted to feel part of something? And maybe this has implications in COVID as well because so much of their lives are now online, which was only emphasised more and amplified more because of COVID. So there's this idea of feeling part of this online community by doing something like this. Oh, look, I've uploaded this challenge. Isn't it funny? Now let's move on to the next thing. And that's another part of it. It's quite worrying, isn't it? Because they're straight to the next thing. And what's the next challenge? And their attention span is so short with regards to this. But there is a genuine concern that they don't actually realise the implications when it comes to something like this. But when I saw this, I thought, oh my God, a TikTok challenge where you're being told to upload footage of yourself shoplifting. What are things coming to? Really and truly, what are things coming to with regards to to kids and online use? I mean, don't get me wrong, social media has been brilliant for a lot of different reasons. And I know, I get it. They want to be online. They want to be involved in whatever's going on. They want to feel connected to their friends. They don't want to be out of the loop. But a shoplifting challenge? It's serious. I'm concerned about it. There's the cores with Breathless Wanna Wish. Uh, Maureen Carroll, a very happy birthday today. That is coming in on request in 086 658 uh, from Eileen. So from your daughter Eileen, thinking of you today, she's got the birthday cake emojis and the champagne and all, Maureen. So no doubt there's going to be a treat for you a little bit later on, but I hope you're having a fantastic day. Now, moving to my first guest, and she really is truly a remarkable woman. She was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2019 and then received the further devastating diagnosis that it was secondary incurable breast cancer. So the cancer had spread. But um, in her, with her background in science, uh, she spent over 30 years developing medicines, undertaking clinical trials. She has now decided to spearhead a new research survey with Cancer Trials Ireland. So it's very much focusing on women with breast cancer, whose cancer has spread and it's the first patient-led research uh, that has been done in this regard. So we're going to be chatting to Siobhan Gaynor all about this next. The 11 to 1 show. Being diagnosed with cancer is devastating enough, but imagine being told that the cancer has spread and you now have secondary cancer. This is exactly the reality for my first guest this morning. She was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2019 and was dealing with that. Then she was given the news that she has secondary cancer, which is currently incurable. That left her reeling. Whilst coming to terms with the diagnosis, she realised that there were many gaps in areas such as access to information and emotional support and very little scientific research into these aspects of cancer care. She has a background in science herself after spending over 30 years in developing medicines and undertaking clinical trials. So she decided to spearhead a new research survey with Cancer Trials Ireland, focusing on women with breast cancer whose cancer has spread. It's the first ever patient-led research to undergo rigorous ethics and scientific approval. I'm delighted to be joined now by the Chief Investigator of the study, a member of Cancer Trials Ireland Patient Consultants Committee, Siobhan Gaynor, is on the line. How are you getting on, Siobhan? I'm doing grand this morning. Thanks, Sinead. Now, I ask you that as a matter of, you know, courtesy, you're on the show. But I also want to know, how are you actually doing? Like, how is life for you right now? 
At the moment, you know, there's there's handicaps and, and limitations to what I can and can't do. But um, I'm three years on from my diagnosis and, you know, I, find, I found an ability to manage that. But there's things that people don't see. So, for example, you know, after this chat today, I'll probably have to have a nap for a couple of hours mm. and still be in bed at nine o'clock tonight. Tiredness for me is a big feature and that's one of the side effects of the, the disease and some of the treatments as well. So, yes, relatively well. Um, people looking at me would think I was fine and hearty, but the reality is that it does have issues that live with me on a daily basis that I have to come to terms with. And, and take me back to the initial diagnosis then in 2019. How was the breast cancer discovered? Did you discover a lump yourself or what happened? So myself, I was just turned 50, so I was aware in Ireland um, the screening mammography for women um, mm-hmm to pick up breast cancer happened at 50. So I was kind of waiting to be cold and that wasn't happening. I had seen some changes in my breast and in my case, it wasn't a lump. It was a change in, in the shape. Okay. Um, so that prompted some concern. So eventually, after a few months of waiting to be cold, I went to the GP myself. Um, and then the roller coaster starts. It's pretty fast once it kicks in. Once she also confirmed that she was also worried about the changes, I was whipped in straight away to um, a rapid access clinic. And within a week of, of, of seeing my GP, I was diagnosed at that point with primary breast cancer. So in, in one way, it was great that you had this, you know, incentive to take matters into your own hands in terms of your care. But how did you deal with that initial diagnosis? Well, yes, certainly the knowledge helped and, you know, it cuts through the terminology, which can be quite off-putting and Mm. feels like a whole different language when you're thrown into the world of being a patient. But for me, I didn't have that. I understood the context. Um, I understood that mostly these days breast cancer is curable. I understood that um, there was a number of different options depending on your subtype. Um, I had what I thought was was a relatively innocuous um, subtype and that pleased me. And I knew that it was, you know, going to be a tough, ordeal but at the end of the day it was probably going to be over the likelihood was that it was going to be over so I approached it in that vein as something that had to be just got through and hopefully I'd get out the other end and everything was back to normal. And roller coaster as you describe it because as you say you come to terms with that initial aspect of it and then you get the devastating news the cancer has has spread which must have completely knocked you off your standing. Yeah, I think the the difference between the primary and secondary cancer mm. diagnosis is just vast and it's very hard to explain to, but you don't want to frighten people. But yeah. at the same time, it is something that is completely different. And in the case of secondary or metastatic breast cancer, you're on treatment for life and it's incurable. Um, and, you know, depending on your subtype, the prognosis is not very, it's pretty grim. And, um, you know, you have to come to terms with that. That's, you know, you have to get over the shock you have to get over the trauma and you have to accept it, which is actually quite hard to do um, because it, it doesn't seem real. It's quite abstract. You don't believe that, you know, you're walking around. For me, I had no other illnesses in my life mm. prior to this. I was relatively healthy, relatively good lifestyle wise. Um, and then suddenly to be looking at what in essence I felt was a death sentence. I found that very difficult to really kind of absorb into me and understand and then start dealing with it because it takes a while to absorb that type of information. It it still doesn't feel real a lot of the time. Yeah, I can imagine. I can absolutely imagine. And and is this common, Siobhan? Like, are we seeing a lot of uh, women with this secondary form of breast cancer? 
So currently, um, we estimate that 30% of, of women and sometimes men who experience primary breast cancer will at some point um, thereafter experience a relapse of their condition um, and or experience secondary or metastatic breast cancer. So roughly a third of people who experience primary breast cancer will go on and get diagnosed with a secondary spread. And in some cases, um, for a very small number of patients, which was the case in my in my situation, um, the, the the secondary breast cancer was there all along, right. um, and it was okay. stage four all along. Okay, okay. Now, what you've noticed as well in this is whilst the treatment for the physical cancer is is available, there are significant gaps in the level of emotional and practical care outside of that treatment. Uh, this is what you've discovered going through this yourself. Yeah, indeed. So obviously as a scientist, first thing I do, you know, when issues arise is look at the data that's out there. And um, I was frankly horrified to realise when I started investigating my own condition that there's very little data out there um, studying um, women and men in my situation. And frankly, that's because until fairly recently, um, the treatments that were available weren't great. Um, And the irony is that treatments are getting better and we're living longer. But then the question arises, how best to support us and what to do with us? And frankly, there's not a lot of data to let doctors and healthcare professionals know how best to deal with us. Hence, the idea for the survey started formulating in my mind and and it's really fitting that you would be, you know, the the instigator and now the chief investigator into this research survey. And I, I believe this is the first patient-led research survey of its kind. It is indeed, yeah. Very grateful to be able to do this. You know, I, I've worked in, in this area, as you know, for a long time and I witnessed many amazing patient advocates over the years. But the pinnacle really for any patient in this space is trying to publish or get their own research looked at um, and that's quite hard to do for, for quite a few reasons. But I was able to do it, I think, because of my own experience. I didn't consider that, it, you know, it was too onerous. I felt it was mm. something I could manage. I, I had the right connections. I knew people in the business. So I felt it was something that was important for me. And frankly, also because of this illness, I was made to retire. Or I, I was forced to retire medically. I couldn't continue in the role I was in. And I really missed that sense of purpose that my job had given me over so many years. So this, for me, was, was a good solution. In, in turning around and doing this on a voluntary basis. And it's it's fantastic that you've done this because this is just going to be so, so important for people going forward. So talk to me about the gaps that you discovered then in, in the level of care outside of, of treating the cancer. And tell us more about the survey itself as well, because it's going to focus specifically on women with breast cancer. So what kind of questions or information will be gleaned from the survey? Yeah, so for the first year after I was diagnosed, I um, got the opportunity to chat to other fellow patients, both in waiting rooms and in support groups and other doctors who treat us. And through all of those conversations, I realized there was a common thread running through, which was, you know, things like nobody realized how much this was going to cost them in terms of time and money, this disease, but also um, the support that's needed in terms of the psychological side effects or, you know, just the trauma of it all puts you into a a fragile mental state. And there really wasn't good guidance for doctors or um, indeed for patients in this space. And things like, you know, communication, how do you tell people a diagnosis like this, as you can appreciate, is pretty shocking. How's best to tell us? What, What would we like to hear? What would we like to know? When would we like that information? Who would we like to be in the room with us? Would we like to hear what our prognosis was or is, how long we're going to live? Questions like that. And actually, what really struck me, the more patients I interacted with, was we all had the same issues. And so Mm -hmm. I thought, well, 
I'm seeing this, I'm sensing this, but we need the data to back this up. We need the evidence. So the survey is all about us as patients trying to gather um, the evidence to basically show and demonstrate to both the healthcare professionals and indeed um, the stakeholders in this, people like the National Cancer Control Programme, you know, the question always is, what do we need to support us? Where is the evidence to support? Um, this is what this survey is about. This survey, I hope, will be able to answer some of the questions that policymakers have, mm. that service providers have, because they are also equally puzzled as to what best to do. And with a lack of evidence, this survey, I hope, will fill that gap. Yeah, because it's going to, it really is going to spark an awful lot of change because, you know, not every doctor, but, you know, so often the focus is on the actual physical cancer as opposed to the person that is dealing with all of this and that, that's going through it. So hopefully that this will, you know, put the wheels in motion in terms of treating the patient as opposed to just the cancer. That's the whole idea. So I call it the non-tumor stuff. You know, the tumor yeah. stuff is very well looked after, both science and medically. Um, it's the non-tumor stuff that can be harder to, to actually pin down um, and, you know, to get the evidence for. But also, there's a big movement um, in the whole space of primary breast cancer as well. Uh, a recognition that even after your... Oh, no. I don't know. I don't know how that happened. Oh, my goodness me. That Oh, seriously. I don't know what's going on there. What we can tell you about this is, OK, it's super important that you, if you're in this uh, situation like Siobhan is, if you're somebody that was given a diagnosis of secondary breast cancer, it is so important that you take this survey for Siobhan. So all of the information and details on this, it's very much done in association with Cancer Trials Ireland. OK, so Cancer Trials Ie. That's where you're going to find the information regarding this. It'll, you know, detail, you know, some aspects of your own experience and all of this information gathered is, as Siobhan said, going to be super important in terms of changes of what's going to be implemented down the line for people who are coping and dealing with cancer. So cancertrials.ie. There's the Righteous Brothers Unchained Melody on LMFM's 11 to 1. Now it's time to go back in time. LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Senator Windows products will help you create a secure, comfortable, energy efficient home you're proud of. Call 0818 All about the moon today on this day, 1969, Apollo 11, the lunar module carrying Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin lands on the surface of the moon. They walk on the moon seven hours later absolutely brilliant today is moon day as well so you know it's a chance to celebrate this momentous occasion LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows creating the perfect home is a journey let us guide you visit our Drada, Dundalk and new Navin showrooms discover more at senatorwindows.ie News at 12 is approaching, but after that, have you ever considered a career in care? Well, Bluebird Ireland, they are, well, they've launched their um, recruitment drive. It's uh, going to be ongoing throughout uh, Ireland and in particular the Northeast. So we're going to be finding out more about the jobs involved, what qualifications you need, all that kind of thing. It's called How It Feels to Care Recruitment Drive. So we're going to be chatting about that and... We're talking about TikTok. Well, it's been used for a good reason because um, on Colleen Kuhn has been uh, adopted for a nice TikTok trend. I'm going to tell you about that as well. Oh, the 11 to 1 show. L-M-F-M.
On Colleen Kuhn takes to TikTok. Now, that's one trend I can get on board with. I'll tell you all about it after Bastille. Bastille with Pompeii and LMFM's 11 to 1. Now, I know earlier on I was giving out about TikTok, but, you know, some of the challenges the kids are at are just ridiculous. But this is a nice trend that I can get on board with because on Colleen Kuhn has uh, taken to TikTok and it has been described, and I think rightly so, as one of Ireland's most exquisite pieces of art over the last few years. And it made it all the way to the Oscars, justifiably so. Absolutely brilliant. Colin Braid's film based on Claire Keegan's book, which was called Foster. And it's a beautifully shot showing Rural Ireland at its most stunning and I think really on Colleen Kuhn moved so many people really who who watched it and it just became this huge huge thing which started off as just a little little Irish film on a modest very modest budget that completely exploded and um now, TikTok users have been taking some of the audio and they're using it over stunning visuals of Ireland in the summer. So the sound has been taken off on Colleen Kuhn, um, which is a, a sort of pivotal scene between the main character and the her uncle. So Sean is the uncle and Sean is talking in the piece about trying to see the best in people. And what people on TikTok have done is they've remixed this lovely Gaelga where he's saying, you know, about seeing the best in people with some of the music from Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Maybe that's why I love it as well, because that's one of my favourite movies. Now, you have to sort of see the whole thing to kind of get the the true majestic uh, beauty of the, the, the clips and the videos. But it's basically Ireland looking absolutely amazing. And this is the audio that's over it. It's a lovely, lovely scene in the movie and it's stunning what people have done with regards to it on TikTok, which is great to see. You know, it's it's also great for, you know, the Irish language as well to be used in such a popular platform and to be viewed millions of times by people. So there you go. On Colleen Kuhn, it really has changed the game, not just in terms of Irish filmmaking, but for Gaelga as well. The Buzz on LMFM. Keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app. Hi, I'm Max Kane. Nina Dobrev has talked about online abuse over her appearance. She says that people online would speculate over what plastic surgeries she's had. She says that she hasn't had any at all. There was this like person that went on that was like a specialist that like talked about all the things I'd done to my face, <laughs> and I was like, "What?" <laughs> Did TikTok, you comment? Somebody, no, I didn't comment, but someone sent this to me. I saw this. They, she debunked the person's <laughs> theories about all the things I'd done to my face. Yeah. And she was like, actually, no, she's just aging. Coldplay are coming to Ireland. The iconic band are going to be playing two dates, the 29th and the 30th of August, 2024. This will be at Croke Park and tickets go on sale Friday, the 28th of July. iSpice says that she cried when she met Nicki Minaj for the first time. The pair recently collaborated on the single Barbie World. Here's what she had to say about meeting Nicki. I was nervous, yeah, but I was like, I was like chilling. I was like nervous to get there. Once I got there, I was like, okay, I'm chilling. But then I heard her like say something and then I got nervous. 
this. And then she started, she came out, right? Yeah. And um, I was fine. But she came out and she looked at like uh, my manager, James and like Riot and stuff and my photographer and everything. And um, then she came at me. And when she came to me wow. and she hugged me, I started crying because it just felt like a, a, I, I cried, but I walked away. Like, I didn't say anything to her. I was just like, and I just walked away because um, I was just like, bro, like just the journey. That's The Buzz. I'm Max Kane. The Buzz on LMFM. Keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app. Now, I want to let you know about an important fundraiser. Lon Lira GFC are hosting Clehy for Conal and it's on the 22nd of July. So that's this Saturday. So it's going to be a day of fun for kids of all ages. So there's going to be underage blitzes. There'll be a novelty game where some of the past players will return in Lon Lira Legends versus Lon Lira 2023 panel. And the day is being held to raise funds for the neonatal units in the Lords and Rotunda Hospital in memory of baby Conal Murphy. Uh, who was son of their club member Alan. Uh, so uh, Connell uh, was born 12 weeks early on the 17th of October and he spent the first week of his life there until he was transferred then to Rotunda where he fought for 33 days but really sadly passed away on the 19th of November. So they want to give back to the amazing doctors and nurses who gave him a fighting chance for so long. So they are holding this day on the 22nd this coming Saturday and uh, it's from 1 to 4pm underage blitzes and everything else as I say and there's also going to be a monster raffle on the day as well so it is Lon Lira GFC if you check out their Facebook I'm sure it's all over that as well but uh, you can make a donation as well through links that are on their Facebook page but all kicking off on Saturday at 1 o'clock <laughs> There's Bill Medley, time of my life on LMFM's 11 to 1. Now, have you ever considered a career in care? Well, if you are on the lookout for a job in the care industry, you'll be interested to hear from our next guest. She is manager with Bluebird Care in Dublin West and Meath and they have a brand new recruitment drive. We're going to find out more with Christina Phelan next. The 11 to 1 show. Are you on the lookout for a job? Perhaps you're seeking a new career or maybe you're returning to work. Well, you might be interested in working in the care industry. Bluebird Care, they are a leading healthcare provider. They've launched a new recruitment campaign. It's called How It Feels to Care. And they have a number of great positions for people interested in caring for people in their own homes. Joining me now to tell us more is Christina Phelan. She's Operations Manager with Bluebird Care in Dublin West and in Meath. How are you getting on, Christina? Welcome to the show. I'm good, thank you, Sinead. How are you? I am great, absolutely great. Now, tell us a little bit more about Bluebird Care, first of all, because you operate differently to a care home in that the carers and nurses go to the people in their own homes. Yes, absolutely. So we are a home care company and we provide, I suppose, support um, of every kind to anyone of all ages in the community to remain at home where they want to be. Home is where the heart is after all and that is our main goal to keep people at home for as long as possible with the great support of all our nurses and healthcare assistants out in the community each and every day. As you say, that is t- totally true. Home is where the heart is and a lot of people, you know, don't, that's the, when they realise that they need to avail of care, that's kind of one of the first things. They don't want to be necessarily going into a residential situation. They want to stay at home. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about the people that might need the, the services, mainly older people or as you said, they're kind of people of all ages. 
So Bluebird Care, we care for, I suppose, our youngest customer is six months old and our wow. oldest is 100, 101. And we look after everyone in the middle, be it high levels of support, low levels of support, integration back into the community, independent living, disabilities, older person services. We look after everyone within that remit and we support each and every healthcare assistant to achieve their goals as well and keeping these people at home. Um, I'm from a nursing background and I suppose mm-hmm. in my career um, in, throughout nursing homes, hospitals, all you hear is I want to go home, when yeah. can I go home? And I suppose this is what Bluebird Care do. They're helping people achieve their goals, making wishes come true in getting home and getting the support from Bluebird Care, friends, family, everybody in the community um, to help them remain at home for as long as possible. Well, somebody who's 101 and still living at home, that is pretty, <laughs> that's pretty amazing, isn't it? I don't think I've ever heard of it that. Is. It is. We actually, we have more than one. And um, so <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. It is. Oh, that's, that's absolutely fantastic to see. Now, you have quite a big recruitment drive uh, that you've launched. Tell us more about the How It Feels to Care campaign. Yes, yeah, so Bluebird Care launched the How It Feels to Care campaign this month. Um, and I suppose in that we're trying to recognise and celebrate a career in care, the positive impact that dedicated healthcare systems have across the communities each and every day. Um, we're trying to, suppose, to shine a light on the incredible work that is done, the high quality of care that is delivered. Um, we're focusing on journeys, stories and making a difference with also in line to support the flexibility and the benefits that a career in care can bring someone. You mentioned the key thing there, flexibility. That's going to have an awful lot of people's ears pricked up because I think since COVID as well, a lot of us have kind of thought about, you know, how we work and the way we work and maybe the hours that we work. So something like this will really appeal to people who want to try and strike that, uh, you know, work-life balance that we are all striving for, I think, Christina. Absolutely. Work-life balance. It is, and as you said, throughout COVID, I think that has become more prevalent in people's when, when they're seeking employment. Um, but we do have flexibility. We work with the employee healthcare assistant, try and give them the hours they want within the uh, within their time frame that they can work. Um, and we do, we work with people's schedules, you know, people with families, mm-hmm. um, whatever it might be. Um, we we try and give the our employees what they what they need and what also I suppose to have that work life balance because yeah. it is so important. Yeah, it really and is, and you know it makes yeah. it makes for a happy work environment as well, which is I know key as well for for what you're trying to do here. So tell us a little bit about the positions then you were looking to fill. So across um, Mead and Loud Cabin Monaghan, we have healthcare healthcare assistant positions open. Um, we, I suppose, there is a recruitment process in place, but support is there at all times through this recruitment process mm-hmm. um, from office teams, from our recruitment teams. Um, so it's nothing to be afraid of. The support is there. If you need extra support, it's given. Um, to get, I suppose, to get out making a difference, achieving dreams and kind, caring, compassionate people who are keen to make a real difference. And that's the thing, isn't it? You have to, like whatever about qualifications and things, which I'll chat to you a little bit in a second. But really, as you said there, it needs to, these people need to have that caring nature. You know, there, it's, there's a specific person that's really meant for a career like this, isn't there? Absolutely. It's, 
I know as even through nursing is that people say it's a calling or a vocation. Yeah. But there is it is it's it's in your heart and home is where the heart is and that's where Blue Brick Hair is. So it's all about we have we're people focused both from our customers and our staff and that is something that we have been renowned for, we build a reputation for and that's something that we aim to continue to strive for into the future as well. And in terms of the, the qualifications then, you know, do, what sort of level of qualification does pe- do people have in, or need to have for the healthcare positions? Yeah, so they're in the recruitment process, training is provided such as oh, manual handling, yeah. um, HSC line courses and then we would also assist people if they don't have the QQI level 5 in healthcare support we would assist people. We have great relationships with the ETBs out in the mm-hmm. community and we work closely with them to ensure that everybody gets the qualification to to provide the highest quality of care. So we work with people for free QQI and, if it, and it's putting theory to practice as well if they don't yep. have necessarily the qualifications before employment or if they have maybe the experience and not the qualifications. They all, through, I suppose, the recruitment process, the training programmes we have in place, they all marry together. Oh, that's great because then people can sort of, you know, be employed as such and train at the same time, which is great. Absolutely, yeah. And you're, as I said, you're putting theory to practice. So even the assignments might become a bit easier or something you've done with maybe a family member previous to your employment with Bluebird Care comes relevant to your assignment or to a customer. We become part of the family. Um, the care assistants might see their customers more than their own families or even see the customers more than their own families, like the customers' families. Yeah. So they are home is where the heart is. We have people, we're people focused and that is, so it's so important to give that quality of service that we strive to deliver every single day. Oh, it really is. And, you know, a career like this, it can be extremely rewarding. What sort of feedback do you get from staff who have, you know, joined up with yourselves? Um, I suppose people, they, the healthcare assistants, our staff, they, they feel better about themselves. It's rewarding. They have that job satisfaction. They have the support. They're, we offer incentives. They're making a difference. Um, and they do, I suppose there is, um, as well, you have then where you get the guidance, reassurance and that determination from people. And within yeah. Bluebird Care, there is, I suppose, an extensive um progression route. Oh, that's very good because people, yeah, you want to see that you're, you know, you're maybe moving up absolutely and progressing through your career. And look, the other thing is, as you say there, you know, it must be so rewarding because like a lot of the time, maybe some of these people that they are caring for, you know, they look forward maybe to the visit from, you know, the the healthcare assistant. Maybe it brightens their day. You're helping them with day to day things that we sort of take for granted. So there's a lot of job satisfaction there. Absolutely. Um, And even, as you said, going into people, I know through COVID, sometimes our yeah. healthcare systems were the only people that, that they were seeing. Yes, of course, because um, that continued, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it is, it is, the job satisfaction is huge. And I suppose the reward of being part of keeping people at home mm-hmm. um, is it, just, it, it speaks volumes to the person's health, their prognosis, maybe their recovery time. It, it all sort of encompasses into one and that is down to the dedication of the healthcare assistance out in the community. Oh, it really is. And in terms of people getting more information, how do they apply? Yes, so you can go to bluebirdcarecareers.ie, mm-hmm. submit your application and then a team member will reach out to you and we'll schedule an interview. 
and get the recruitment process in place. Fantastic. Well, I wish you the best of luck in finding these healthcare assistants out there, Christina. And thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you so much, Ned. Thanks a million. Christina Feeling there. Is this something that you might be interested in? A career in caring? Bluebirdcarecareers.ie for all the information. The 11 to 1 show. Niall Horan with Heaven on LMFM's 11 to 1. Just want to let you know that the North Louth branch of the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland has announced plans for a new social club. So the social club is being seen as a stepping stone for a client and their family before coming into the Birches Daycare Centre. So they are located at Priorland Road in Dundalk and they provide specialist daycare services for people suffering with Alzheimer's disease or Alzheimer related dementia. So if the family members uh, are invited then to to take their loved one along to a Saturday morning social club where they can stay, have a cup of tea, chat with the members of the Birches team and volunteers. So they will be then in a position to deal with any concerns or questions or anything like that. And they are launching the Saturday morning social club on this coming Saturday, 21st and moving forward will take place then on the third Saturday of the month from 11am to 1pm. And they are also reminding people as well that uh, they um, have their monthly support group. It continues on the last Thursday of the month at 7.30pm as well. So all those details. Um, As I say, the social morning, uh, the Saturday morning social club launching this Saturday from 11am to 1pm. Now it's time for this. LMFM Job Search with Local Heroes backed by Bortgosh Energy Replace your old inefficient gas boiler with Local Heroes Visit localheroes.ie Me the Local Sports Partnership are recruiting an office administrator for one year maternity cover This position is aligned to local authority grade 4 The candidate must have a recognised appropriate third level qualification and be proficient in Microsoft Office The full job description can be viewed on lmfm.ie if you'd like to apply, you can email mary.murphy at meadcoco.ie. The City Bin Company requires HGV drivers for their Dublin team to apply. Please email careers at citybin.com. Don't forget all the details of those jobs can be found on our local job section on lmfm.ie. LMFM Job Search with Local Heroes backed by Gosh Energy for gas boilers, heat pumps and electric vehicle charge point installation visit localheroes.ie Travis, why does it always rain on me? Haven't heard of that one in ages and it seems Travis are still together they reformed, they were marking their 20 years last year and that tour is still very much going on so there you go now, I've heard of bizarre, you know, world record attempts, but this one has to take the absolute biscuit. It's a man who forced himself to cry for one full week. I'm going to tell you all about it after these. The 11 to 1 show. There are some seriously incredible world record attempts that are just fantastic. Things like, you know, the most spacewalks by a female astronaut. It's Peggy Whitson, by the way. She's done this 10 times. Or, you know, the youngest Nobel laureate or, you know, things like that. Longest running primate study. That's pretty incredible. Uh, However, there are the crazy and the bizarre. But none so bizarre as one that came to light this week. Because a man 
forced himself to cry for a week as part of a world record attempt. And what did he get for his attempts? Well, he went blind, believe it or not, for 45 minutes. Tembu Embry, I think it is his name, he was documenting his sobs online using the name, it's quite a good name though, Town Crier. He says uh, he also suffered headaches and puffy eyes. Well, oh, no kidding. He uh, is from Nigeria and there's uh, apparently a bit of a craze for Guinness World Record attempts that have swept through Nigeria. Uh, apparently a 26-year-old chef broke the record for con- cooking continuously. She lasted over 93 hours at a restaurant in Maine. Now that's quite cool, but they're going mad with this. So Mr. Embry's video has gained 5.3 million views from very confused people across the world. Some, of course, are cheering him on because, of course, we like to see somebody doing crazy things. He says he has to re-strategize, re-strategize and reduce the wailing, but he was determined to sob towards his goal. So he had to do this. Um, I mean, he sat wailing and grasping his head next to a live timer in order to do this. Um, People were saying, you know, you can do it, all this kind of stuff. Um, But uh, he was saying, send me your woes, I suppose, to prompt him to cry. Maybe, I don't know. Um, But after all this suffering, so the puffy eyes, the, you know, going blind for 45 minutes, temporarily blind. What happened? Did he get... The world record attempt. No. Do you know why? He didn't actually officially apply. I mean, come on now. Mr. Phil Collins, two hearts, of course, have gone down an absolute rabbit hole here now looking at Guinness World Records attempts. There's an absolutely horrific looking picture of Lee Redmond. I tell you, if you've got an itch to scratch and you can't reach it, you can call Lee Redmond. She first started growing out her nails in 1979 and never stopped. Her nails are an incredible 28 feet in length. I mean, the things that people will do to just get a little bit of fame. Absolutely crazy. Anyway, I think we've got time for one more. Here's Picture House. Oh, it is a heavenly day on 11 to 1 Picture House. That is my lot of the show for today. Boppenheimer. Movie Mayhem with Niall on tomorrow's show. Also, we'll have Fionn's Friday Floor Filler. All the usual Friday crack. We'll talk to you then. The 11 to 1 show.